on Wednesday, and we will select one of those to be on our board for the next three years. All right? Great. All right, so we are winding down in the next three weeks, winding down our series we've been on uh, for six months on the book of Ephesians. And I, I know some of you might go like, how did we spend six months on Ephesians? But believe me, we could have spent longer. There is so much. In fact, the next three weeks that we're going to talk about in the, the, the last um, two-thirds of, of Ephesians 6, easily, originally I had... Is that me? Now I got nothing. There we go. Check, check. (laughs) All right. Hopefully it's good. If it's not, I'll grab another mic. Yeah, so the next three weeks could easily... Ah, sorry. I'll grab another mic. Could easily have been... uh, Actually, I originally planned for it to be like... Six weeks, I think, but uh, yeah, our plans don't always happen the way we want them to, so here we go. All right, so um, armed and dangerous. We don't have to look far to see that, uh, that there's a lot of evil in the world, right? Um, we don't have to live long to begin to see that in this world, there's, there's not only evil, but there are patterns of evil that seem organized and intentional. Why is there such interest in conspiracy theories these days? You guys been hearing conspiracy theories? Oh, yeah. Why is there such interest in conspiracy theories? Well, I would suggest it's because there is a conspiracy. There may or may not be an overt human conspiracy, but there's an organized force of wickedness in the world that has been around for thousands of years and is organized and is intelligent and is intent on the destruction of everything good. And I know for some of you listening today, maybe some here, maybe some listening online, you might think it's strange for me to say, but the Bible says there is an entity called Satan who is the embodiment of evil and the embodiment of rebellion against God and against God's good purposes in the world. And Satan has a host of fallen angels or demons that, uh, that, have, that are have joined that are with him waging war on the human race. Um, 
So, so like, how else do we explain the reality that in every culture around the world, it doesn't matter what country, doesn't matter what culture, power corrupts the human heart. How else do we explain that after thousands of years of social and moral development and supposed advancement, the 20th century saw more people die in war, murder, famine, and violence than all the other previous centuries combined. And, they, and we say it's advancement. Or how do we explain the rise, the systemic rise of corporate Greed. Or human trafficking that is even beginning to touch our own province. We are in a war, folks, for planet Earth and for the people around us. You were born into a war zone. Fear and hatred, and poverty, and addiction, and greed, and lust, and broken families are all part of this war. The enemy is real. The enemy is vicious. The enemy is relentless. And he wants to destroy you and everyone you know. Did you come this morning for an encouraging word? But I'm here to tell you this morning that in the midst of this war, God does not want to make you safe. He wants to make you dangerous. He wants to equip you and empower you to enter into the battle fearlessly and to win. The Jesus movement that we sometimes call Christianity is not a violent movement. And I say it that way because the religion that we call Christianity over history sometimes has been. But the real Jesus movement is not a violent movement. And a bit of context in understanding because folks, we're talking today about spiritual warfare, but you need to understand this is, this is not about violence against one another. It's not about violence against people groups or people we disagree with or don't like. We'll get to that in a moment. But this is a different kind of warfare. Ours is a revolution of love. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3 to 5 says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world, they're not hatred and anger and violence. On the contrary, they have, our weapons, have divine power to demolish 
strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Jesus is a warrior of a different kind. Here's an interesting little window into that. Book of Revelation, chapter 5. John, the apostle, is having a revelation of heaven. He's been taken into the throne room of God and he's looking around. And, and it, it's, he, said, he writes this, So I, I wept much because no one was found worthy to open and read the scroll or to look at it. But one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. Behold, the Lion of the tribe of Judah. Now that sounds pretty powerful, doesn't it? Right? The Lion of the tribe of Judah. Lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and loose its seven seals. And I looked, and behold, in the midst of the throne and the four living creatures, and in the midst of the elders, stood a lamb, as though it had been slain. So the elder that spoke to John says, we have a victor. We have a mighty conqueror. A mighty warrior who has overcome the Lion of Judah. Look! And he looks expecting to see a lion and he sees a lamb looking as if it has been slain. Jesus is a warrior of a different kind. He overcame through sacrificial love. He conquered all of the hordes of the enemy in the act on the cross when He died there for us. And we are meant to fight this battle like Jesus does. Our greatest weapon is identifying with the victory that has already been won for us. Revelation 12, a little further. We're going to get to our passage for today, I promise. But Revelation 12, verse 10 says, For the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God day and night. The word accuser literally means the word Satan literally means accuser. So that's who he's talking about. Um, the accuser who accuses them before God in day and night has been hurled down. That they, speaking of us, they triumph over Him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. That's saying that when we courageously stand upon what Jesus has done and will not move, we overcome the enemy. Amen? All right. 
let's get to our passage for today. We, uh, we're coming into the last number of verses in Ephesians. Uh, so, finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after having done everything, to stand. We're going to get to the armor of God list next week. That's, uh, we'll get there. How you doing? This is pretty intense, isn't it? Good, good. All right. So, Paul starts this section by saying, finally, finally. In other words, this teaching on spiritual warfare is not an isolated, separate teaching. It's a conclusion of everything he's been saying all through the letter all along. Spiritual warfare is not some you know, little component of our spiritual lives or of our lives. It is our spiritual lives. Everything we do is warfare. And so, so the things that we have, we have talked about as we've gone through this series on Ephesians, I'm going I'm to take us on a, just a quick review, touchdown in a few places as we've come through. Our identity. Ephesians chapter 1 and, and many other places throughout talk about our identity in Christ. Who we are as sons and daughters of God. That is warfare, folks. We have to understand our identity. We have to understand who we are and whose we are. It's vital. Our anointing, the latter part of Ephesians chapter 1 talks about the anointing that God has given us and the power that He's put inside of us, the same power that He used to raise Christ from the dead. We need that power to be victorious. Our destiny talks about us being God's workmanship, created and saved for the things that God wants to do through our lives. Our destiny is warfare, folks. As you walk into what God has called you to do and to be, you are pushing back the powers of darkness in and around your lives, in your sphere of influence. Peace. The latter part of chapter 2 talks about the, the Jesus is our peace. He Himself is our peace. It's as we learn to live and stay in peace in the midst of the battle that we will stand our ground. Knowing the love of the Father, the immeasurable love of the Father. Without knowing that, 
we have no, that, that Scripture says we have no foundation, we have no root, we have nothing to hold us firm if we don't know the love, the immeasurable love of the Father. Spiritual authority in the church. How God gave as gifts apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And that there, there's this flow of wisdom and teaching and training and equipping and authority that happens. That's all part of the, uh, the, the organization of the kingdom of God that brings about the enemy's defeat. Mobilization into ministry. Um, as we... As we move into ministry, we push back the darkness. And, and what we've been talking about the last few weeks, how we treat each other in all of our relationships is warfare. It's warfare. If we lose at this, we lose out there. Guaranteed. If we can't get this right, we have no, no ability to move into the things that God has called us to do to reach our city. So when Paul says, finally, he's saying, this is all, all of this is how we win, is how we are victorious. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. So Paul, as he unpacks this in the next few ver- this week, next week, and the week after, as we, as we unpack this, we'll, we'll see more and more how Paul is using the Roman soldier as a parable or a metaphor for you as a soldier in God's plan and purpose as you as a warrior um, to 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 be victorious right so um so so paul says here be strong in the lord now this word lord curios in the greek is a title all through the New Testament that is given to Jesus. But every Roman of that day would also recognize that it is the title given to Caesar. Here's the deal. Paul says, be strong in the Lord. A Roman soldier only had authority because he represented the emperor and the empire that was backing him that gave him that authority. His strength was in whom he represented. Be strong in the Lord. Folks, your strength isn't because you're mighty or you've you know, built up your spiritual muscles big enough, or you're, you, you've prayed long enough, or what? I, I mean, all those things are vital, and we're going to get to that. But your strength is in the Lord. Your strength is in Him. You're strong because He's strong. 
You have authority because He has authority. And the King and the kingdom that backs you up is what makes you strong. But, but Paul says here, be strong in the Lord. So that means we can do something to be strong in the Lord. He's giving a command here. He's given instruction. It's not something that just happens to us, but there are actually things we can do to be strong in the Lord. To, to connect who we are with the One that gives us strength. Right? And I would suggest... Um, Again, carrying out this, this parallel, this metaphor that Paul is using of the Roman soldier, I mean, there was nobody on, on planet Earth as disciplined as a Roman soldier. Right? They were, they were trained. They were prepared. They were, the reason that hordes of what they called barbarian armies could not defeat the Romans is because the Romans were incredibly disciplined. Folks, we need to be disciplined. We need to be disciplined because there's a reason why someone who's an NHL player or an NFL or a CFL player, whatever sport you might want to uh, give as an example. There's a reason why players that have reached the pinnacle of success in their sport still get up every morning and train and train and train and train. Because they want, they want when, when the puck is coming to them, they don't want to have to think about what do I do with that puck. They want it to be instantaneous, spontaneous muscle memory. They want to, they want to be so prepared and disciplined that, they, that it just happens. Folks, the more, the more you are disciplined, the more God has to work with. Right? Be prepared. Be prepared. Know that Anything could happen. Be prepared, right? Be alert. Be alert. Be aware of the fact that the enemy is around you. He's a schemer. Be alert that in every situation you are at war. Okay? Be united. We're going to talk next week about some of the some of the, the tactics that Roman uh, troops used where they worked together and were invincible because of it. But folks, as the church, we need to be united if we're going to be victorious. We need to be aligned with the purposes of God. What's God's plan in this situation? Not what do I want. 
Not what do you want, not even what we want. What does God want in this situation? Let's get on His page. He has a battle plan. Let's not rush in with our plan. Let's find out what is God's battle plan here. Right? And I would suggest to you, from Paul's own life, we won't take the time to go to verses like 2 Corinthians chapter 12. There's a bunch of them there. Whole talk he does on this. But I would suggest to you, embrace our weakness and trust His strength. As long as we think we're strong enough to do this, we will trust in our strength and we will fail. Embrace our weakness. Trust His strength. Having put all that up there, there's a couple things I want to say. Um, if we're going to war well, the Lord needs to be our focus, not the enemy. The enemy does not deserve your attention. Now, that doesn't mean we shouldn't be aware of his schemes. Right? Paul said in 2 Corinthians 2, in dealing with a situation, he said, Anyone you forgive, I also forgive. Uh, and what I have forgiven, if there is anything to forgive, I have forgiven in the sight of Christ for your sake, in order that Satan might not outwit us for we are not unaware of His schemes. Jesus deserves your attention. Satan deserves your awareness. That's something to take away from today. If you don't take anything else away. Jesus deserves your attention. Satan deserves your awareness. Not the other way around. In, in Luke chapter 10, um, Jesus sends out a bunch of His disciples. And He sends them out to go and preach the Gospel, to heal, to, to do the work of the Kingdom in people's lives. And uh, He sends out 72 of them to go out and minister two by two from town to town, and they go out and they do that. And then in verse 17, it says, the 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submitted to us in your name. Jesus replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy, nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Satan wasn't defeated in this chapter. If, you, if we took the time to unpack 
all of that, but that's not our focus today. But Satan wasn't defeated because the disciples went around railing against the devil, but because they went around bringing the kingdom. They preached the good news, they healed the sick, they cleansed the lepers, and yes, when it was necessary, they cast out demons. But they went about bringing the light of the kingdom, and when the light came, the darkness was displaced. They didn't go around focused on the darkness, they went around bringing the light. And like them, our ministry should not be focused on what we are against, but on what we are for. We are for people receiving hope and forgiveness and freedom and healing. And as we go with the light of the good news of the kingdom, we will encounter the darkness. The darkness will push back. We don't need to go looking for it. It will come looking for us. But we have the light. Darkness is not a power. It's the absence of a power. Isn't it? Right? All right. And Jesus, in this, in this place in Luke, He says that, that they weren't to focus on the fact that the demons submitted to them, even though He said they would, but to focus on the fact that their names are written in heaven. Heaven's kingdom is the focus. And when we focus on bringing the kingdom of heaven, displacement of darkness is the result. Jesus never lived His life in reaction to the enemy. He lived it in response to the Father. And we can sometimes, the enemy can get us chasing our tails from one crisis to another, putting out brush fires and never actually getting to the Father's agenda if we let Him. If we're always living in reaction to the attacks and the things of the enemy. But when stuff is coming at us, we need to stop and listen. Lean into Jesus and say, what do you want to do right now? What are you up to, Jesus? And then live in response to the kingdom purpose, not in reaction to the enemy. All right. Everybody take a deep breath. This is heavy stuff, but it's good stuff. We need it. Put on the whole armor of God. Again, the metaphor, little information that will help us understand what Paul's saying here. 
the Roman army actually had auxiliary forces, light infantry auxiliary forces, that were only armed with bows. They were generally more expendable, but the vast number of their armies were legionnaires. Auxiliaries wore light, simple armor so they could move quickly. Legionnaires were fully decked out in all of the Roman army uh, armor. So Paul is saying here, don't be a lightweight. Don't come half-dressed to battle. There's uh, a lot of people these days working from home, doing meetings on Zoom, and a lot of jokes about people wearing a dress shirt and pajama pants, or less, maybe no pants, right? All you can see is from here up. So wear a dress dress shirt and uh, and who knows what else, right? Go to work like that, and you're going to be shown the door pretty fast, right? Better show up fully dressed, ready for work. Folks, we need to show up fully dressed, ready for what God has for us every day. Right? We need to be, we need to put on the full armor of God. Basically, what I'm saying, don't bring a butter knife to a gunfight. Right? Don't show up unequipped. Don't show up not ready for engaging in what God has for us to do today to push forward His kingdom purpose. All right. And Paul says, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Two principles here. Okay? First is, <clears throat> people are not the real adversary. People are not your adversary. Be careful to not respond to someone who is a quote-unquote enemy. Someone who's attacking you. Someone who's maligning you. Someone who's cheating you. Someone who's whatever it is. Be careful not to respond to an adversary in the same attitude or spirit that they demonstrate towards you you will fall into the enemy's trap and you will be get pulled down into the mud with them. Instead, we are called to respond in the opposite spirit. Let that phrase stick in your mind and heart today. 
respond in the opposite spirit. When someone, when someone is coming at you with, with anger or hatred, respond with peace and love and kindness. You will not win. No one will win if you respond with the same spirit. Romans 12, verse 17 says, Do not repay anyone evil for evil. And then a couple verses later, verse 21, On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. The opposite spirit. Jesus says in Matthew 5.43, You have heard it said, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. We want to be part of what God is up to in this world, then we will respond with our Father's heart. We need to learn to see past the people who are maybe doing or saying hurtful things and realize there is something much bigger and more sinister going on. And this person is a victim of the darkness right now and needs our love, not our reaction. Guaranteed it will not feel that way in the moment. This is a choice we have to make. Our flesh will want to come right, to lash right back. But it's a choice we make to follow the Father's heart in that moment and respond in the opposite spirit. So do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Two, two principles. One, people are not the real adversary. And two, this is no wrestling match. It is all-out war. The enemy plays for life and death. Plays for keeps. Lexi Dakin, week and a half ago, the 24th, beautiful young lady with her whole future ahead of her, took her own life. She was another casualty of this war. Because Satan is a liar who comes to steal and kill, and destroy, and He will take out children, and He will take out the weak, and He will tempt the strong to pride just to watch them fall, and He will take out whoever He can. We need to know our enemy. This, this next section, next little bit, we could... We could spend a while on it, but we're just going to kind of fly through it this morning. Some people, so, so Paul says, but, but our 
battle arc is, is against the rulers or principalities, the authorities, powers of darkness and, and spiritual forces of evil in, in heavenly places. S some people take this and, and make it into levels. They take all these and say, well, th these four things are four levels of demonic power. And maybe, maybe. I don't think that's what Paul is saying here. It doesn't seem like what he's saying. I think when Paul is talking here, he's describing, he's using these four things to describe all demonic powers. Um, that they are rulers and principalities. That they influence territories. They want real estate. They want to set up shop in your life, in your family, in your workplace, in this church. They influence territory. We need to, we need to guard territory. Territory is a... Land is a big deal in the biblical culture. It's a big deal. And we need to understand that metaphorically in our lives that there is territory the enemy wants to take. Authorities. The enemy is organized with an authority structure, but he only has authority where he's given authority. He only has authority where he's given authority. So, the whole Bible in 30 seconds. Adam gave up the delegated authority that was given to him by God to rule over the earth. Gave it up by disobedience and by choosing to serve Satan instead of God. Gave authority over the earth to the enemy. Jesus brought the kingdom of God into earth when He was born and He established the kingdom of God when He died on the cross and rose again. And He began a process of turning the whole world back to the rulership of God. And we're part of that process. Okay. World tyrants. It literally is in the Greek. World tyrants. Um, I, just, I just picture maniacal evil villains out to rule the world. I mean, that's really what they are, right? Um, Jesus has defeated them on the cross. They will not succeed. There will be seasons when it seems like they are succeeding. But Jesus has won the battle and He's coming back to complete it. Amen? Come soon, Lord Jesus. Spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. We have come across this phrase, heavenly places, three times already in the book of Ephesians. All other three times, it has been a positive reference speaking of the kingdom of God. But what, what uh, Paul is not saying here is heaven. Like, 
the throne room of God, heaven. When he's talking about heavenly places, he's talking about the spirit realm that's around us. It is real, folks. It's not pretend. It's not a, a myth. It's not for movies. It is real. It is around us. It is another dimension that has an impact on our dimension. The heavenly realms are real. And yes, they involve God and His, His presence and His power and the angelic forces, but they, it also involves the presence of the demonic armies that want to destroy us. They are spiritual forces of evil in the spirit realm. So suit up. So suit up. There is a, there's a, a battle waging all around us. We need to suit up. We need to, you know what? God has given you everything you need to intimidate the intimidator. You can live in such a way to, dis, to, to send the devil into discouragement. So take your stand. Take your stand. Paul says here four times. <clears throat> Let me get back there. Sorry. <clears throat> Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so when the day of evil comes, you may be able to t stand your ground and after having done everything, to stand. Stand firm then. Like four times here, Paul says, stand firm. Take your stand, right? I, I think he's trying to tell us this is a major, this is a major strategy. Take your stand. Stand firm. When the enemy is trying to throw everything at you to intimidate you and cause fear, take your stand. Right? Um, take your stand. Be immovable in the character of Christ. Uh, we'll just say that. We'll skip that section. Okay. Um, Need to be like Shema. You know Shema? He's got two verses in the Bible. Shema's got two verses, but listen to these verses. And next to him was Shema, the son of Agi the Hararite. The Philistines gathered together at Lehi, where there was a plot of ground full of lentils. And the men fled from the Philistines. But he, Shammah, took his stand in the midst of the plot and defended it and struck down the Philistines and the Lord worked a great victory. Here's a dude in a bean field. I don't know if it was his bean field. 
his brother's being fielded, or if he even knew whose being field it was. But in that moment, something in his heart said, enough is enough. Not one more inch. And he took his stand against the advancement of the enemy and said, I'm not moving. And that heart of courage to take his stand, God saw that heart, blessed that heart, and gave Israel the victory because of his courage. God will give you strength equal to your challenge if you simply stand and trust. Let's stand. Worship team, come on up. We're going to finish with that song I mentioned. Three questions. What is your battle line right now? What area in your life is the enemy pressing in? This is about awareness. Not attention. Our attention's on Jesus. Awareness of the enemy. Where is your battle line? How does the enemy... Because the enemy pulls... You ever find yourself falling for the same thing? Again and again. It's like, why did I fall for that again? Right? How does the enemy often catch you or defeat you? Awareness. And then stop reacting and start responding. Follow me? And lastly, how do you need to increase your awareness of the enemy, but your attention on Jesus today. So we're going we're gonna to worship. We're going to put our attention on Jesus right now. If you're with us, joining us online, I encourage you to just stick with us for another moment. I know service is almost over. It's easy to just hit, you know, close the, the browser or whatever. Just stick with us for another moment because I believe this is important for us to respond by getting our attention on Jesus. Let's worship Him. Thank you for the cross,
saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain. Worship him this morning. Jesus, we worship you. You're our victor. You are the Lion of Judah, who is the Lamb of God. Thank you for your victory this morning. Hallelujah. Conquering King. Jesus. High and lifted up, Lord. Worthy are you, God. Jesus. Jesus. You alone are worthy. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. Jesus. Worthy is the Lamb. Jesus, Lord, we declare your worth this morning. Declare that you are worthy. Give you honor and praise. We focus our hearts, our lives, our attention on You, the Lamb that was slain. The Lamb that was victorious over the powers of darkness. The One who is with us. The One who is in us. The One who has given us authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and all the works of the enemy. Jesus, You have made us victorious. As we go out from this place this morning, may, be, may we be aware of the schemes and the plans of the enemy. May we be focused and disciplined and prepared and alert. May we carry with us the light of the Kingdom of God into situations that the darkness would flee in Jesus' name. Thank You, Lord, that You have given us everything we need for victory. Amen. Thank you so much for joining.